Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, talking all things Manchester United. We are sandwiched between a win at Sheffield United and a fixture with FC Copenhagen in the Champions League. You may be listening to this episode after that match has been played. Uh, but Rob, how are you feeling? How, how are you going? Not bad at all. Um, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? When we do our show and we just end up between fixtures, it's hard to kind of aim our content, isn't it? Because we're kind of talking about the recent past and the very near future and where Man United sits. So we'll try and do our best today uh, to give our audience something around those lines about what we're thinking about going on at Manchester United. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of... Uh, you know, United won the other day, but obviously getting outplayed for periods by one of the worst teams in the Premier League is cause yes. for concern. And uh, yeah, that did happen. So we'll try and dig into the reasons why that's happening uh, throughout the bulk of the show today. Uh, but subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe and leave a comment. Hit the notification bell as well so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, IG and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on x and youtube and at promise and mu on x as well uh but rob we do have to start the show uh with over the weekend awful news obviously uh we lost to bobby charlton uh i'd imagine tonight i'm, I'm going to be going to the game tonight that united will pay tribute uh at old trafford i think the premier league in general, did a did a good job of paying tribute over the weekend as well. And uh, mm-hmm. at Tottenham last night, they actually did something too. Really somber weekend, Rob. Uh, one of the greatest. Completely, but I, you know, I think as everyone realizes, especially when someone passes away, Bobby Charlton was probably the greatest English footballer that ever lived. You know, and think about what he did during that period, both with ten years after the Munich air disaster, winning. The what was what is the Champions League, but of course the European Cup back in the day, winning the World Cup in 1966 with England, winning what is now the Ballon d'Or, the European Football of the Year trophy, back in the day, just incredible achievements. One of only five players to to do that that treble clean sweep for a footballer in European football. Um, just just so sad, Scott. Just like, I remember when when Matt Busby passed away and. It's like a, a pillar, a column of Old Trafford just disappearing, just something that you're so used to being connected to and seeing every day of the week. And then, you know, 
people die and you you it, it hits you really hard there and you see this collective outpouring not just from Manchester United fans from the whole football community and and that's where where Bobby so Bobby was so respected was that it's like universal there's not any person that has a bad word against him at all whether against his career or his morals that everyone's got a story as a kid I've got one where you met Bobby Charlton and you were like it didn't feel it didn't, huh? Sorry. What's yours? Mine was, I was, it was my birthday. I did put this on Twitter the other day. So if you want to read about it, go and see it. And I put some photos there. But uh, it was arranged that I met the, the team when I was about 10 or 11 uh, at Selsden Park Hotel in Croydon. Um, United were playing away uh, against Charlton Athletic. And we managed to, somehow, my mum organised for me to meet the team. It's a bit easier in those days than it is today. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, so he turned up at the team hotel and met various players like Norman Whiteside was in the foyer with Paul McGrath and chatted with them and Brian Robson came down and it was all brilliant. And then Alex Ferguson just appeared, just did and chatted to us for like 15 minutes. It was really amazing. And then Bobby Charlton just walked down the stairs in his club suit and kind of ushered us over to him. And we just talked to him and he he remember saying to me, because I was wearing a United tracksuit, I remember him saying, oh, I think you've nicked my tracksuit, young man. That's my tracksuit. I've got one of those right upstairs now. I'm going to be wearing that, you know, later on. And mm -hmm. I was like, and and again, I grew up with, with Bobby Charlton being this kind of godhead. Had never seen him play, of course, because I was too young. But, you know, he's my mum's hero. And we had photos with him. And that's what so I, I posted on Twitter. And it was a an incredible moment. You never forget it. Like, that just stays in you like they're in my earliest days as a man united fan like maybe you had three years i've supported the club so that was that rollover period and things like that convince you because it's like that's this this guy won the world world cup you know and i watched that world cup game over and over again as a child so yeah those are the things that you remember you know and everyone's got that story of going to his soccer school like <laughs> everyone <I> spoke <laughs> to is like oh i went to bobby charlton soccer school like david beckham did david yep. beckham's story of well, course, david, you know, david beckham i think is is one of his middle names is robert i think it is it is after yeah. after bobby charlton because his dad's such a big united fan so you know again in the 80s and the 90s his soccer school was like the biggest thing for kids so like if you could go to the soccer school it it was everything, you know, you could go there and play and you got to meet the biggest legend of the football club in a time when Manchester United were absolutely awful. So we're not particularly great now, but when you've lost one of those heroes and one of those veterans of the football club, someone who's always there, director, someone who's always in the stands, it is, yeah, it's heartbreaking. As I said, it does, it reminds me of, of when Samat died. Um, just so sad, Scott. And, and one thing I did say on Twitter is I'm so happy that we got to celebrate him while he was alive. Like, he's got his stand named at Old Trafford. He knew how much he meant to us. You know, he, he was... I remember being at, also at the Champions League final in Moscow and I bumped into him outside in the stadium, outside, and, and it was, again, one of those moments where he's walk, just walking around and people are like, oh, it's Bobby Charlton, you know, and he's just wandering around talking to fans before the biggest game of a lot of our lives, you know what I mean? And he kind of calmed everyone down. He was just like, yeah, all right, take a photo. Yeah, oh no, it's a big game this, you know, this is where we should be. And it felt good, you know, and it's Bobby Charlton who's saying that to these fans and just mixing with the fans outside. So uh, an incredible man. He'll always be remembered. His statue's outside Old Trafford. It will be there for eternity. And 
and just just very very sad but at the same time scott just happy that he was a part of our lives and that we were a part of his yeah uh obviously the numbers speak for themselves uh he was a brilliant ambassador for united uh after his retirement but yeah. the numbers speak for themselves you know winning the european cup after you know 10 years after munich i think he was 20 he was 20 wasn't he in the in the munich air, air yeah. disaster uh coming through and rebuilding and being the spearhead of the the rebuild of united mm. with you know best and law etc uh, etc et and going on to make as many appearances as he did and he had the goal scoring record for united as well just up until i think it was 2015 when wayne rooney broke it yeah so that's for england and, and for england. england as well and yeah. i think wayne rooney broke that as well but when you think nowadays of like the ball he played with the pitches he played on he played in midfield and nowadays as well there are more matches for these players to play in to break those records so harry i think harry kane's now england's top goal scorer but He's since surpassed Wayne Rooney's record, but he scored like 25 penalties for England. You know, England play 10 qualifiers against Malta and San Marino and all mm. these kinds of teams. So obviously you're going to inflate the numbers there. But so Bobby was unbelievable. The records were unbelievable. And yeah, uh, really somber weekend. But like you say, Rob, you know, what a, what a player, what a person. Um, and hopefully... At Old Trafford tonight, the the tributes will be completely apt, and I'm sure I'm sure they will be. The players have come out and signed signed a book of condolence as well over the last few days, and the tributes will be uh, worthy, I think, because Sabarbi was just a giant. Of course, of course, the players come and go, Scott, at your football club, but then there are like the ultimate servants, the ones that that have been there, done it, and remained. And I think that's the whole thing with Bobby Charlton, because even though he left the football club when he retired. He soon came back and has been part of the football club for a long time. Obviously, he had a stint in management that didn't work for him and he decided it wasn't his route or how he was going to uh, uh, live the rest of his life. But just uh, just epitomised everything about Man United. He absolutely bled the football club. And just it's always, again, like the, the kind of figurehead, just someone that you're going to always look towards, that that's the standard. So when we talk about Manchester United, we should talk about the terms of the the great players that carried the football club going back. Uh, and Bobby Charlton certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, sending love uh, to Sir Bobby Charlton's loved ones. A big loss for football, big loss for Manchester United, big loss for everyone. Uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. <sighs> really sad. Really, really sad. But um, you, you mentioned there, Rob, about standards and, you know, so Bobby held that, you know, took United up to the highest standards. He was one of the the main figureheads in United setting the standards. And he was there helping Sir Alex along after mm. he took over as well. You know, they became really close in this kind of thing. And what United have had over the last, well, since 58, 68, is this, these standards that are set right up here. And obviously... They went 26 years without winning a title until Sir Alex Ferguson turned it around. Mm. And obviously now we've had 10 years of falling down from the standard. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is the man in charge of bringing them back. And he talks about them a lot. Uh, Sheffield United, United did win on on the day that uh, we lost to Bobby, uh, which was a fitting tribute. But obviously the the lack of style and the lack of, identity in United is being questioned by fans at the moment. And 
you know, you can't really go into a game currently and think, right, definitely going to win that, you know, because we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. It's all a bit of a lottery at the moment. And why is it, Rob? Uh, Because I'm seeing now a lot of people are starting to be frustrated that it's been nearly 18 months for Eric Ten Hag and they have not, they don't really have a discernible style of play. Tottenham turn up on Monday night against Fulham and, you know, they have a they have a style under Ange Postacoglu. You look at Pochettino's Chelsea, and then they're beneath United in the table. But you can probably say that you know what they're trying to do. Mm. Did you know what United were trying to do last season? And do you know what United are trying to do this season? Style and substance are, are interesting things because again, they're all matter of opinion. But I do think what you're saying is completely correct. There is a, a collective feeling with Man United fans now about well, what are we expecting every week? What are these players tasked to do? Why are these players not doing certain things? Um, we've said on this show, and we'll, we'll keep banging the drum, United have had a lot of injuries and that's hampered their start to the season. You're somehow only six points off the top of the table after the worst start you could possibly have. But there are worrying things, Scott, that we're seeing repetitively, especially, I think, from the senior players. And I always leave it at their door because... They're the players on the pitch that Ten Hag relies upon to get the message across, to to be able to set standards. You know, we've just been talking about Bobby Charlton. And Bobby Charlton obviously set the standard through that period, all the way through United winning, you know, the the league title and winning the the European Cup in 68. But obviously when he retired in the early 70s and in that period into the mid-70s, Man United got relegated. Why? Because they didn't have the style and substance anymore. It disappeared. And, you know, I think older United fans will tell you Great stories about that period in the 70s in the second division for that one year where they travelled everywhere and hammered everyone and got back up to the first division. But Man United are playing teams like Sheffield United, no offence to Sheffield United, that they should be dealing with in a much more relaxed, salient, controlled manner. Well, Newcastle beat them 8-0. Newcastle beat them 8-0. And 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 with Newcastle beating them 8-0, Scott, again, not just the scoreline, but it's the method and you could see the control that Newcastle had over the result. Fortunately, with Man United at the moment, we do not see that for whatever reason. Like we can bring up a hundred reasons here and do a three-hour show. We're not going to do that, guys. We're not going to bore you with that. But we'll look at the main points. But United are are doing repetitively the wrong things. There are things that you watch and you think, why is it taking you sixty minutes to get going? It really, shouldn't take you sixty minutes to start doing your work. It should take you ten you know, 15. The, there was no doubt in that Sheffield United game, Scott, that it felt a le- little bit like the Brentford game the, the couple of weeks before. Now, don't forget, we've had an international break in the middle. So two weeks. And I think Ten Hag said afterwards that the international break hampers the way players play because they're with their international teams and it's different and they come back. Why is it? Why does that not hamper other teams? Well, Jurgen Klopp said at the weekend as well. Yeah, they, they, I think it's a common trope that managers put out there after the international break that we didn't play well because of the international break. But then you kind of look at it and you kind of say, well, some of your players are rested. Some of your players are ready to go. Surely you've still been working with them at the training ground. So these guys don't know how to press again because they've been on international duty. It's rubbish, Scott. It is rubbish. That is just, it's, just, it's just not real. So it's difficult because we back Ten Hag and there's no doubt about it. And you haven't really got a lot of choice, but you just mentioned Tottenham there. And Postacoglu's walked into that football club and said, you've got to do this, this, this and this, and that's the, that's it, whoever you are. And guess what? They do it and they look 
good. So Ten Hag's got 18 months with these players. And I don't know why the style and substance is. Do, do you think that Ten Hag did have that buy-in? Because we, think... we can we can pair Postacoglu in after eight games in the Premier League, nine games in the Premier League. This time last year, I know Ten Hag lost his first two games, but he was getting a lot of credit in the middle of last season for turning the attitude around. Yeah. And it was reflecting on the pitch. So obviously, because this is now in vogue, you know, and Postacoglu has managed to do it straight away. Ten Hag did change things and he did get a reaction out of players after the defeat at Brentford. It just didn't last that long. So what's changed? There was that period last year where for 20 to 25 games, maybe 30 games, that United had Ericsson pop in. Ericsson was in the form of his life in central midfield. People always forget it now, but he was playing brilliantly deeper. And Casemiro came good. So Casemiro had that spell where he looked like the best defensive midfielder in the world again. And it made United solid. And United were obviously integrating new players, weren't they, at the same time? You know, you've got a brand new centre-back. So you've got a centre-back pair in there. You've still got David De Gea in goal. There are other things happening. Now, that was good, but we all admit that they, they kind of ran out of juice at the end of the season. So he won the League Cup, Scott, and then the form disappeared. Yeah, so that's the truth. That That's how it worked. That form has never really returned. That style that they had before in terms of being controlled and having a press never really returned. Now, we still talk about the press here every week because it's, it's modern football. It's what all the top teams do. Uh, I'm going to use one example just very, very quickly. It's last night, obviously, Spurs won and they interviewed James Madison and Madison's linked really well with some at the top. And they've said, you know, what, what's this manager getting you doing? And he said these words. He was like, you know, if we don't press, he said, we get hammered. He went, we get hammered in the dressing room. And this manager says it's non-negotiable. If you don't press, you don't play. Now, we know Ten Hag says something similar, doesn't he, in press conferences. So why are we not seeing it? Why are we, we talking about certain players just playing isolation football on their own half the time where they want to run at players or do what they want to do. It's difficult, Scott. I I think there is a collective issue still there. Like this, this team still doesn't feel like a team after 18 Mm -hmm. months. So that is worrying to me. And I look at the senior players and I wonder why the senior players still kind of think that they know better than the manager in terms of what style or substance means. So this is, this is what I wanted to come on to. Like, yeah, let's say Postacoglu came into United at the start of this season. Does he get the exact same results with this group of players versus the group of players that Tottenham have? Maybe. Like, maybe, maybe not. Like Again, I think this is where the individual comes down to it. And I think that all managers have their principles, don't they, and their philosophies and what they want to put on their players. And that they try and do that from day one, from the first training session to work through it. I think Ten Hag is a pragmatist like that. And Ten Hag wants United to end up being some version of 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, where they are possession and they play on the counter-press. But they are just so fragmented, fragmented, Scott, in terms of what they do with the ball at their feet, the decisions they make, the times they press. Um, they've got a brand new striker now, Scott, and they're not using him properly. Like, that's the truth. And we can say that's because of injuries, but this is the senior players at the club who are on the big money who have got this young lad up top who is running like a dog. Like I think he's doing the miles and they're not sliding him in. They're not really crossing the ball for him. They're not getting they did wide. it once really, against, against Sheffield United. Really once. Was a second off a tap in, yeah. Once is not enough. 
Like they should be feeding this boy until his belly is full. Yeah, that's how they should be working. You know, you look at Tottenham, let's use them as the example. And Spurs know that they get the ball to Sun in and around the box. They might score more likely than someone else. You know, that's how it works. So they've moved him into a centre forward position and it works quite well, doesn't it? That's one of the reasons why Spurs have been successful. They've worked out that Harry Kane's gone out the door. So we have to make sure we do some number nine play for someone. And you know what? Sun's our best finisher. Let's stick him there. You've got a forward at Man United now, a striker. And it's quite interesting, Scott, because I see it also when Martial comes on the pitch that they don't really use him properly either. Like it, it's all, it, it goes a little bit more slower and static and they try and get the ball to his feet. He's kind of drop into the pocket. They try and link up play. But it's old. It's like old money. It's not, it's not new. It's nothing fresh. It's just, it's kind of like going through the motions. So the manager has to sort it out. There's no doubt about it. You'll get your players back in the, in the weeks ahead through injury. But I'm not quite sure that Luke Shaw or Aaron Wambasaka uh, or even Casemiro's obviously had a knock now. Do these players take you onto another level? Have you got stuff on the bench that you can bring on? Well, I think Garnacho's helped United when he's come onto the pitch. At times, I think Ericsson really helped United with the ball at his feet. But we know Ericsson gets run. We know Ericsson hasn't got the legs to, to do some of that midfield work. Uh, I really like what Amrabat's doing. I think he can help you push on. I really do. And then it's what you do with some of the kids like Hannibal and Manu. But they are the same questions, aren't they? It's the same things we're talking about. How do you make your style and substance go from here to there? So we know that there's an expectation, Scott, every week. And I'm not seeing it as a fan. Like, I'll, I'll say that bluntly because I want to see it. I'm, I, I expect to see it, but then I also expect to see the same rubbish sometimes. I go there and I think, why are we seeing this against Sheffield United? And then I remind myself that I've seen it every week for quite a long time. So that's the problem I think, Scott. And especially when you mentioned Chelsea there with, with Pochettino, brand new project. I think you look at Liverpool, what they've done with their midfield with Klopp. And all of these clubs have kind of gone from here to there very quickly in their style again, because they have direction. That's on the manager. The manager has to How make did that it, work. Like, so I don't want to, like, I'm getting a lot of stick for defending the manager, right? The difference here, right? Liverpool were awful last season. Their midfield mm. was the problem. Yeah. They shipped out their entire midfield. Yeah. Chelsea shipped out tons of players. Mm. So when Eric Ten Hag says, I would like to sell Scott McTominay, and the club say no, and the, Eric Ten Hag says, and we'll talk about Harry Maguire in a positive sense today. When Harry Maguire is up for sale and Eric Ten Hag effectively says, right, he's up for sale, let's get some money from Harry Maguire to reinvest. And the club don't do it. Is that Eric Ten Hag's fault? Because for me, clearing out the players that he doesn't want is something mm. that Liverpool have done and Chelsea have done. And you look at the profile of the Tottenham midfield, which we both agree is the real problem in, in United's... Uh, United can't keep the ball. Scott McTominay was lauded. I know he gave the penalty away, but oh, he scored again. He scored mm. two two in injury time the other week. Eight completed passes. Your stats were terrible. In that yeah. game, eight completed passes. How yeah. are you meant to play build-up with a player that barely touches the ball? Mm. Like, you can't. No. You look at Pap Sarr, right? 20 years old, come out of nowhere. Bissouma, when at Brighton, was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. He had a, he had a right-off season last season, but yeah. one of the big, best midfielders in the Premier League. They are the two, really, that you look at with this Tottenham midfield that make them function. Then you've got James Madison in front of them with a bit of creative. But Pat Sarr and Basuma can do everything. Yeah, They can. United have players like Ericsson who can only do the one thing, pass the ball. 
he gets overrun because his physical isn't there. Casemiro can't really, you know, we we know that he's he's on the verge of a of a decline. That's why we talk about Kobe, yeah. who's been injured. So Hannibal, I think all of them, yeah. Hannibal, like this this is the thing. Ten Hag is picking these players, and yes, he should probably take some stick for continuing to pick these players. But you know, at the same time, I feel like we're just some people are getting into a position here, and maybe we disagree on this. We're getting into a position where we're looking at the manager again, saying, "Ah, oh, you know, it's your fault." And then let's see. We, I think, we play Liverpool in mid-December. We play Man City this weekend. Let's say we're still eighth, tenth in mid-December, and Liverpool smash us at Anfield. Oh, the manager's gone again. Hmm. Let's go get Deserby. Yeah. What changes? Honestly, t- t- like, tell me what what is going to change. I would much prefer give Ten Hag a free pass for now, and let's just. Let's just stick with it until we fix this problem of all these players who are not what we've let managers down in the past. They've let Mourinho down. They've let Solskjaer down. They let potentially letting Ten Hag down as well because they're not doing what he wants. I don't. You can throw in. Well, we'll talk about Bruno Fernandez in a minute. I don't. I don't question his desire at the moment, but he does not pass the ball properly. And we've no, talked. We spent spent eighteen months talking about that on this podcast. He doesn't pass the ball. It's hot potato all the time. You can't tell me that Ten Hag is saying hot potato. Let's just loft it in the air. He's not. So this is the thing. Until the sporting director comes in, until the ownership changes, this kind of thing, until Ten Hag gets actually support from above in terms of what he wants instead of picking every single player because he knows them. That's not how clubs should run. No. I'm just thinking grin and bear it because you you bring in Deserve, you're going to have the same problem in 18 months' time. Look, I'm totally with you with Grin and Barrett, and I think that's where you are with Man United. There's the political stuff with Manchester United and the recruitment issues, and then you get to the manager. Now, there's no doubt I think we, we can pair maybe Ten Hag with other managers, other football clubs. Ten Hag does have to operate with one hand behind his back. Like, we know this. Like, I've said, I said weeks ago how difficult it must be to have to build your season around players that you've told you don't want. You've told these players that they are gone and that they won't play for you ever again. And now you're in a scenario where you're having to play them. Harry Maguire was had played, and I thought he played very well against Sheffield United against his former club. He helped us win a football match. That's great. That's that's good professionalism. Scott McTominay scored you a goal, but can't pass the football. Well, that's great that he scored you a goal. Not great that he couldn't get his arm out of the way for the penalty, but that's life. Uh, but not passing the ball seven times and you know through a spell of a football match is not good enough. So Ten Hag has to work eight, with that. Rob, eight. eight times. I'm sorry, <laughs> I got it wrong. You know, I was I was seven percent off there. But um, <laughs> but uh, but the whole thing with it with with Ten Hag is that he has kind of got these golden handcuffs on, you know, and and he has to operate through that. But you use the word free pass. I'm not giving him a free pass on tactic tactics technique and and kind of the repetitive nature of certain things in games that you have to see. I'm not. In the same way, that wasn't giving it to Klopp last year when we were looking at Liverpool and analysing Liverpool and going, your midfield's rubbish, mate. And he fixed it. So you could say that Liverpool supported Klopp in that decision-making, didn't they? And that Manchester United have not supported Ten Hag in maybe some of his bigger decision-making, what he needs. I'm sure he would absolutely would have loved to have sold Harry Maguire and bought Kim Min-Jay. We've said that 50 times on this show. Once you've got those players there, Scott, and that's all you've got on a match day, you have to find a way to make it work. And and the issue isn't Harry Maguire. 
The issue is Bruno Fernandes. The issue is Marcus Rashford. You know, this is the issue. The players that are not going anywhere, they are going to be in the team no matter what. They are the big dollars. They've got the big contract. The expectation is on their shoulders. So I blame them collectively, tactically and technically, with the manager. I think the manager, after 18 months, has to get a song that at least sounds in tune, Scott. You know, if he's the conductor of the band, you know, if the oboe player is not playing the right notes, you've got to go sort that oboe player out. And I don't see that. And I think that's what I find worrying. But I'm with you. I think you have to just wait and see, let it play out. It is miraculous that you are somehow six points off the top when you've played so badly. We're very early in the season. But you're also at a tipping point, aren't you? Because that six points can very quickly become 12, very quickly, and then you're done. Really, you're not not talking about Champions League qualification anymore. You're talking about Europa or below. And I think that he's dancing, tap dancing on a kind of very dodgy ground at the moment. These players have got to do more. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In the top 10 of the division, Scott, Man United are the only team with a negative goal difference, minus two. Everyone else is a positive. Yeah, we've had injuries and yeah, injuries affect your form. But as you said, some of these players we're talking about, 18 months ago, we're saying exactly the same thing about them, like identical. So he should have got different things out of them, I think, in that time period. Well, this is the thing for me. I mean, like, I understand completely, and I'm not saying at all that Ten Hag is faultless here, but all I'm all I want to get across, really, and maybe we differ on this, Rob. Like, I don't see the point of going down the let's get rid of this guy, he doesn't have a clue what he's doing route. Yeah. Because this we have seen at Ajax, this is not the football that Ten Hag plays. We have no. seen it. And may yes, you might have you might there might be some differences here, but the, the, the problem is, let's say this ownership thing that doesn't change and the sporting directors, but even that, if, if Paul Mitchell comes in, that's going to take three years, really, for us yeah. to see something effective come out of that. And you've got to get through that. Yeah. But until that change happens and you have a different ownership structure in there and a different football structure, what is the point of casting off 
another manager. Let's see him through. Let's get him through to that point where he can start planning properly with a new football structure ahead of him. You have to, you can have to strap in here. Like this is not like going to be fixed overnight. Be patient. It's not, I know it's, I know it's awful um, in terms of the football that United are playing at the moment. There's some bad defeats that United have had and it's a real grind watching United at the moment. But the answer here is not to back the players again. For me, we've seen it too mm. many times. The players have won every single time in the last few years. And for me, I'm just I'm just going to sit here and just <laughs> digest it, to be honest. Look, look, no, I, I completely agree with you in principle. Like, I'm certainly not saying sack the manager. You're not at that point. What I'm saying is I totally understand fans' frustration. Yeah, when we I, talk so about do I. So st- do I. Style yeah. and substance. Like, like beating Sheffield United is great. Playing well for 20 minutes and winning a game is all right, acceptable because you get the three points, but you could have lost that game in the same way you could have lost the previous game. So if we'd lost against Brentford, lost against Sheffield United, would you and me be now doing a different kind of show? Probably. So I think that these margins are too fine for me. And this is where I want to see more. Like we also talk about things like the backroom, uh, Scott, and how things are like, so you, You've got a former England manager there as an as an assistant coach, yeah, and you've got you've got a kind of strong, robust set, set up. And yet, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was there, we constantly talked about Carrick and McKenna and kind of their lack of quality. And now, what are those two guys doing? They're in the Championship, looking really good as managers, aren't they? As leaders. So this is the whole thing: is that there was a lot of stick for those for that backroom going back in time, and yet we've got a backroom now that I kind of look at them and I kind of go, well, what are they doing? Like, what what is if, if we're supposed to counter-press, why are we not counter-pressing? Like, why, why does it look like everyone is in jog mode or everyone's just kind of making decisions for themselves in the first, first instance of play? Now, that must drive the manager mad. It must absolutely drive him mad on, on the touchline. But he has got, between Monday and Friday every week, has got to pretty much sort it out. Like, that's how they have to work and find a philosophy that works. Philosophy is not important, Scott. But performances do get you victories. So you've got to find a way to becoming better. And this squad just seems to just, like you just said there about backing the players. I don't think it's about backing players, backing managers or anything. It's a, it's holistic. It's everyone. Yeah. And that's why I do talk about certain players and say, you might have to drop them. doesn't matter how big their reputations are, what their stats are telling you. You might have to bring in some kids to bring the energy levels up. To say, right, you know, we know you're going to work They don't hard. do the basics, Rob. They, they don't do they the don't. basics. But the fact of the matter is, and I know Ten Hag's made this decision to make Bruno captain, so you can't really drop the captain. You also have Marcus Why Rashford. Why can't you drop him? Because you've seen the amount of fallout from Jaden Sancho. And this is, the, this is the thing. Like When Pep Guardiola drops Jack Grealish and nobody mm. bats an eyelid. No. He cost 100 million. Nobody bats an eyelid. They've spent 50 million on Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Can't get a game. Yeah. That's not, I know Pep's winning. So he's earned that trust. Mm. But, you know, all I'm saying is if Eric Ten Hag did drop Bruno Fernandes because he was not doing what he asked, mm. the blowback, tell you a difference, right? The Onana foul against Wolves in the first week of the season. Yep. There was a week, a week worth of what? This is an absolute disgrace. Why was this decision not made? They came out and said, yeah, that's going to be a penalty. What happened in Chelsea-Arsenal? Robert Sanchez clattered Gabby Jesus in the exact same manner. I'm not yet a word. I'm yet a word. Yeah. This, the difference is that Eric Ten Hag is having, and every manager the United has, is having to deal with that 
it's magnified by a thousand. And, and yeah. that's where the pressure comes from. So that's that's the difference, you know? If you can't stand the heat, Scott, get out the kitchen. Sorry, this is life at Manchester United. Yeah, you, you, you know, you drop a penny there, everyone thinks you dropped a pound. So you have to be bomb-proof with your decisions uh, at the end of the day, mate. I think that's the way it is. I think, like, I don't look at this. Ultimately, like, there's two ways of looking at this. There's Man United, the entity which, as you said, is in the news every single day of the week. We're doing a Man United show here. It is the biggest thing in the world when it comes to football. But when you're picking 11 players to play in your football team to win a football match, that is the only priority. And if you get it wrong, yeah, there's going to be tons of blowback. But if you win, there isn't. So like, if you drop Bruno Fernandes and people see that your midfield is tons better, no one's going to say things, Scott. But yeah, if you get it wrong, you play a kid and you lose a game 5-0 you're going to get shot for it. It's just the way it goes. So we can't escape that from Manchester United. It's the same at Real Madrid. It's the same at Barcelona. You have 10 minutes of bad luck or bad form and the world crows about it. We are that football club. No one cares about Chelsea and Robert Sanchez. That's why, Scott, that's a difference. Yeah, people care about what Man United do. That is a thing. But this manager has to be brave with it. I think with Ten Hag, part of the problem for him is that he's a conservative and that he does run with it. I saw, again, a talking head saying that you had to run with a midfield of Casemiro, uh, Amrabat and Bruno. And you know what? That's what he'll do because that's the conservative choice. But if we're watching the same conservatism every week get you nowhere, maybe you have to change it a little bit. So I think that this is where you can say to the manager, it is on him. Yeah, decisions will be questioned in the press and across the board on social media. You make one bad choice or one even iffy choice, you're going to get it, aren't you? Tough. That's why you're at Man United. It's the big questions, the hard questions you have to answer and you have to live or die by them. That's it. And I think when you look back, Scott, in time, Van Gaal made the same mistake, yeah? Just got more and more monotonous until he got sacked. Mourinho did the same thing, got more and more monotonous until he got sacked. Ole ran out of completely ideas, didn't have a clue, hit a brick wall. His two young lads went to championship clubs, have done really well and you get sacked. I don't want that for Ten Hag. But I do think that Ten Hag has to be maybe a little bit braver with some of these decisions. Like, he has to. He's got a squad of 20-odd players, Scott. Use them. I keep saying this. And you and live and die by that. Live and die by what you're telling these, these lads to do. Because he's coming into presses now, Scott, and he's, he's waffling, basically. Oh, I wish they'd done this. I wish we'd played better. Don't wish it. Make it happen. You know, if you can't make it happen, guess what, Scott? You get criticised. So I'm with you. Don't sack the manager. Give him time to fi- to figure this out. I rate Ten Hag highly. I really do. But at the same time, the team isn't doing stuff. If you're not counter-pressing when you've told the world you want to be the best counter-pressing team in the world, why? There has to be that question. And it doesn't matter, Scott, the world blows up on it. Who cares? Like, it's Man United. This is what happens. You have to Fergie. You know, Fergie made one choice, you, you lost 1-0. He'd get so much criticism. And even that was when we were winning titles. So I, I just see it for, for what that is. And I think it's football at the end of the day. He, Man United and at Carrington, the players are in a bubble. They don't really care what's going on on the front page of a newspaper in that moment. That does build pressure, of course. But their jobs are to be good footballers. And, you know, you just talk about Bruno Fernandes there. I'm now getting people messaging me going... Oh, I saw you see what you said about Bruno six months ago. And it's not that I'm digging Bruno out. It's just that he needs to pass the ball better, Scott. Like, it's just basics. Put it on the deck. 
there's no point talking about Scott McTominay. He's not going to be at the club much longer. Is he? He's going to go eventually. But we want Bruno to stay here. He's the captain. So these players, Marcus Rashford, they must play better for their manager. Otherwise, what, Scott? Drop them. That's what I say. Drop them. And sitting on a bench for a week, nothing more powerful to a player than knowing that message of you will not play happened to Harry Maguire. He lost his place in the team. He never got back in. But people, it's fashionable to attack Maguire, isn't it? But it's not fashionable to attack maybe, say, Bruno or or uh, Marcus. I don't want to say attack. That's not a good word to use. Anthony gets it all the time, isn't it? He's on that cusp of do you play him, do you not play him? If he doesn't do what you want him to do, Scott, don't play him. Put him on the bench. Bring him as an impact sub off. You win as a squad, you lose as a squad. Let us know what you think. Uh, my point that I'm trying to get across here is... It's not always. I think I. I don't. I don't disagree. The manager needs mm. to do more. I think he needs to be bolder. I agree with that. Don't fall into the trap. Is what I'm trying to say. Of oh, this manager's useless. That, He's not that useless. Is, that is what I'm trying mm. to say. Yeah. This manager, like you say, handcuffs behind his back. Look at the wider context for me. This is going to take some time. And just because you see another manager's, you know, mm. the, the pressure is different. It's different. But um, it is different. It, it so the, the magnifying glass is a lot bigger. Mm. Um, and yes, Ten Hag is not completely blameless, but I, I, I'm getting a lot of, I did some tweets over the weekend and I was getting a bit of, it's, it seems like I'm on my own trying to say this at the moment. So <laughs> it's a big hug, Scott. Like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's just um, everybody looks I'm at the you. manager. Yeah, yeah. And obviously I, I do other shows as well. And everybody's like, Ten Hag said this, Ten mm. Hag did this. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't get it. I'm sorry. You just don't get it. Style, quality, substance, performances are his remit. He has to find ways. And it's good that you're winning games now, Scott, in the last couple of games where you've not played well. That is a positive sign. It really is. Beating Sheffield United when you were horrible in that first half again is a really good sign. I think he's playing on that Ten Hag in his presses. He's kind of saying that, like, we're figuring out on the fly. I understand that. You know, we'll talk about some other players as well now towards the back of the show. And it's like, again, I think you've brought in Maguire. And we said last week, maybe this is the time to reintegrate Harry Maguire. Like, things are not working with other players. We're talking, we've talked about the centre-backs and what's going on at the back. Maybe it's time to bring Harry Maguire back in to play a different style of football and to let him run those areas. I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Because I think he, I think he's played well in the two or three games he's played for us. Played all right for England you haven't got a lot of choices. Like, you really haven't. You've got to find a way to get blood out of a stone. I think Maguire's reacted quite well. Um, yeah. You know, and I think Shown maybe that, that is maybe that is a measuring stick or like a proof, you know, an evidence, a, a body of evidence there for what we're talking about, hmm. of how this guy is out of the team. And now he's coming back in, he's doing the basics of what he needs to do. And he's getting, he got player of the match the other day. Yeah, I think there were other players maybe in the, in contention for that. But I think credit to Harry Maguire for every single piece of, he's had so much criticism because of how much money he costs. Because of how much money he costs, by the way. It, talk about adding pressure to a player. Like yeah. you might say that it doesn't make a difference. He probably He's probably aware he costs 80 million quid. You know? And every single mistake that that guy made, was clipped up and put on social media. Don't I'm sure he doesn't go on it, but you know, you know, you must know that it's there. Yeah. Um, when you're that person, the way he's reacted and responded is really encouraging. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, and what you're saying there, Rob, about if a player isn't doing it, drop him. 
Bruno Fernandes. Has to be that If way. Marcus Rashford isn't doing it, drop him. And Maguire's had an extended period out of the team. And now he's come back in through, you know, Varane's been injured, Martinez is injured, so he's getting his chance. But I think he's now, we said at the start of the season, or maybe you didn't, but Victor Lindelof was maybe ahead of him in the pecking order. He's now back ahead of Victor Lindelof in the pecking order for me. Like, so. yeah, maybe even like, you know, with Varane as well. I'm not going to say he's better than Varane, but, you know, Varane isn't always going to be there. <laughs> so you're going to have to get used to it. And do you know what, Scott? There is a scenario here. Like the season's young, isn't it? There's a lot of season left to go. You know, if you take the wan example of someone who was about to be shown the door and was told he was about to show the door and you play games, you play your way back into form, you play your way back into favour. And then before you know it, you're getting offered a new contract. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Harry Maguire, but I don't look at the situation as completely dire. Like I'd have liked Maguire to leave the football club and you'd have got some money for him and bought a new centre-back. That's the kind of normal, you know, the revolution of football. It's kind of just the way it goes. You, you move in that direction. But I, 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 I'm not kind of blind enough to think that Maguire played games and actually played well, that you're not getting to the end of the campaign and going, well, Maguire's now my first choice right side centre-back because Varane gets injured every week. And we wait, Martinez is back. And Martinez has played well. And like you just said about Victor Lindelof, Lindelof was ahead of Maguire last year. I watch Lindelof and I just shudder every week. I, oh, I, I know you don't. I know you're not a big it, fan it, of Lindelof. It just, it just does the same wrong things all the time. And yet he's one of those players that do, think that does get a pass from a lot of players because people go, he's limited. You know, it's a big, you know, Delo scored that great goal, obviously, for us. But his wider work was poor. And people are saying, oh, isn't he played well? And I'm like, well, it's a great goal. And when he inverted, he was really good. But when he was defending in the fullback position, it's the same stuff that we've seen forever. So you've got to figure that out as a manager. And I think that's the problem is that these players have limitations, but you've got to work with it somehow. And I think with someone like Harry Maguire, there are still qualities in Maguire's game that you can use to help your team. Just means you might have to play a little bit different, Scott. I don't know how you can rely on Varane at all this season. It's really difficult because he gets injured every two or three weeks. You know, talk about Casemiro. How do you rely on a player now that gets run past by pretty much every central midfield that he plays against? These things are huge questions. And the only person that can answer them is Eric Ten Hag. We can't ask the Glazers. We can't ask Jim Ratcliffe. We can't ask anyone upstairs. You have to just ask the manager because it's his job to find those, those solutions. You just said there about Maguire and the weight that he's had to operate on. I think that's real for individuals, for a player, Scott, is that, you know, if you're the most expensive defender of all time, you know, 80 million, you're going to get that kind of pressure on top of you. But you come to Man United because you want that pressure. You want to prove yourself. And he's had to deal with so many things, like really unfairly, about his reputation and who he is. That's life at our football club with that badge on your chest. You just have to, you have to grin it and bear it and fight your way through it. And yeah, credit to Maguire actually showing that he's got the fortitude to step up to the plate when he was needed. United play Copenhagen on Tuesday and then the Derby this weekend. We'll talk about that on Friday's show. I think we'll mm. be back on Friday. But until then, uh, like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment for us as well. I mean, I, I get it. We both get it. Mm. Ten Hag is not blameless. He has to do more obviously, but I feel like just over the last few days, we're moving towards that point again yeah. where it's like, it's all the manager's fault. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. Just one last thing to end it with, yeah? I want to say this. Is, is Tottenham's squad better than Man United's squad? 
you're asking me or yes like... pound for pound added no. together is a big equation no so there's your answer so like the, the thing is man United squad is good enough even with injuries to still be playing a better style of football and I think that is the problem for fans overall and that's why I think Ten Hag has to take a portion of the cake and scoff it in his mouth and eat it because that's up to him. And, and that's why Poster Cogley, like in, in 20 games time, Scott, we might be doing saying something completely different about Spurs. They might be awful. And we might be going, well, they're not running now. And what's happened? Because that's what happens. They're human beings. But Spurs' squad is not better than Man United's squad. So we need to be seeing something on parity when they're playing a very similar style of football in the press. So press means run. Marcus. You know, this is always something that I, I firmly believed. United's contracts. And mm. I, I'm not like Tottenham's players do not earn as much money no. as Man United's players. And they're hungry. And that affects mm. hunger. It, it does. does. And, and that's and that's a big thing. That ain't Ten Hag. I'm sorry. That's mm. not. That's, that's not Ten Hag's fault. United, it's not Ten Hag's fault. And he has to get a tune out of these expensive... Like, you know, I've been doing that for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Look yeah. at Liverpool's contracts. They are incentivized heavily. Maybe most mm. Salah aside now because he's earned it. Yeah. But... The reason why those players make, you know, or are able to, not able, are more incentivized to put that effort in is because they have to work for it. Completely. Whereas United, United hand it to them. Sometimes undeservedly. Sometimes undeservedly. And do you know what, Scott? If the manager decided that those players on the big contracts were not cutting it for him, not running, not pressing, not doing the stuff, not passing the ball five yards correctly, and he drops them, I'll be the first one backing him. I'll be the one on Twitter saying and writing, saying, you've got to, you've got to stick with this manager's decisions. But if he, makes, if he makes the same choices and you see no difference, and then we're talking about Spurs being better and Spurs have got a worse squad, or we get weeks into the season, say we get to Christmas, and we're talking about the same thing. I won't be surprised if we are, Scott. And we're talking at Christmas about style and substance. That can be affected on training ground. It can be affected by a manager. That's just where the manager is at the moment. And he's got to find a way to playing better football and winning more football matches. You do that, Scott, this all goes away very quickly. Mm, yes, indeed. It's a vicious cycle, Rob. It is. It's a vicious That's our cycle. Football club. We we are that. We're we're so popular, aren't we? And it's difficult because but football is fundamentally simple. Yeah. If you want to press, hey Marcus, go and press. If you want to retain the ball, hey Bruno, don't give the ball away previously. I'm sure the manager must be saying that to them. If he's not saying that to them, then you should drop them. If they're not if they're not doing it, I don't care what they're on 200, 300, 400 grand a week drop them, and I bet you sitting on the bench has a positive effect on them. They might have to watch a kid play their, their role in the team. And if the kid plays well, guess what? You stay on the bench. Football's simple like that. But I, I also understand... Do, that do we... you know, though, it's like the, uh, this is it's a cycle, like we say. We're, we're yeah. going on and on here. I'm, I'm, I missed a meeting. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but if... Let's say if Ten Hag drops Bruno Fernandes and plays mm. Dan Gore, right? Yeah. Let's, let's say he does that. Yeah, Dan Gore's not as good as Bruno Fernandes. So let's say... Might be on the day. But he might not be, and he might lose. So Ten Hag would take that gamble with a worse player who's inexperienced yep. and lose. Yep. Undermining himself. Yeah. I saw yesterday Bruno Fernandes, Rafa Varane, went out for lunch with David De Gea. The guy that he, you know, said, now nah, we're not giving you a contract... And Andre Onana's in goal. Bit crisis of confidence, making mistakes. Oh, no. Let's just go out for lunch and put her on social media with, uh, you know, 
It's a bad look. With our old mate. It's a bad look. Can imagine Ten Hag was endorsing that, you know? And this is why the manager has to be braver. Because if these players are not doing it for whatever reason, like you just said there, what have you picked Dan Gore? Because he's not as good as Bruno Fernandes. Well, on the day, he might be better than Bruno Fernandes. He's not better on FIFA when you look at the ratings. Of course not. But that's not real football. That's not organic football. Is that a Dan Gore might come in and give you supreme midfield control. And we all go... Well, we found something here. A bit like Hannibal. People were like, Hannibal's not good enough. I think we did a show, Scott, earlier on. I remember you saying to me, uh, this is not digging you out, Scott, but I remember you saying some of these kids are not good enough that they should play. That's why they're going to championship clubs and below. Charlie Savage is uh, like, you know, Charlie Charlie Savage. Savage. Good example. Good example is gone, isn't he? You know, and I would have had Charlie Savage. I'd have played Zidane in our team at some point. But you look at Hannibal, and Hannibal's come in, and within two or three games, people are talking about him like he's a viable Man United footballer. Whereas before those three games, people were like, no. So I think you have to give it a go sometimes if your stars are not performing. This is why I look at Marcus, and if Marcus is out of form, drop him. If Bruno's out of form, drop him. It's not the end of the world. You're not telling these players they're not loved or not wanted. You have to be stronger with them. It's leadership, I see it as. So like you just said there, Bruno going and having lunch with David De Gea is going to cause more of a storm than any than being dropped. People are going to look at that on Instagram and go, oh, aren't they? Bruno Fernandes knows that. Drop him. Don't worry about it. Drop him and make it a football choice. And then you'll be protected. If you lose games, then you live and die by that. That's just the way it goes. You just said that don't support the, the footballers over the manager, Scott. Well, then you have to drop the players. You can't drop the manager. <laughs> you I know? can only imagine, though, the, what you're asking for, Ten Hag, if that doesn't work, it's a fast track to a sacking. It is, because you lose the rest of the players. So you're right. I think I'm right as well. Mm-hmm. There's no real answer here. Yeah. At the end of the day, they got to win matches. And the players have to do what the manager's asking. Yes, you can drop them if you want. Mm. Yes, you can play the young players. There's no guarantee that the young players, just because they try harder, are any better. I'm sorry. There's no guarantee. There is no guarantee. And that is a fast track to a sacking. There's no guarantee. But what is guaranteed at the moment, Scott, is that your top players are playing like garbage and they're not supporting your system or your philosophy. So what do you do? Catch 22, of course. Mm -hmm. You want to play your best players. But at any other football club outside of Manchester United, if your best players do not play well, they get dropped. It's just the truth. That's football. Real Madrid, you might be the best player. If you don't play well, the manager drops you. So... That's where you are. That's, that's that's how it has to be. If you have to play kids at times, you, it, playing Dan Gore for an hour and then bring, giving Bruno on for 30 minutes, I bet you get 30 minutes of prime Bruno. Bet Bruno comes on and wins you the game. That works about winning football matches. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with a manager being brave in those decisions. But I'm, I agree with you as well. Man United would use that as an excuse to sack him. But then again, if you lose with your top players as well, you'll get sacked for that anyway. So, because they'll go with Bruno and Marcus. They'll say oh, these are our top earners, and then they will go with the manager. We'll be having a show, again, about Man United sticking with players. So if you can't do what you want to do, change what you've got with what you've got. That's just the way it is. Play the Hannibals, play the Gores, play the Manus. Maybe you have a decent midfield then, Scott. We'll be talking about something completely different. Competition is a is a really good drug in a football team. Yeah, Get some competition within these teams, these players, so they know that if they play badly, they don't play. I like it that Marcus has been substituted a few times. That's something we've not seen, isn't it? Yeah? So Marcus getting pulled after 60, 70, 80 minutes. Good. Pull him if he's not doing what you want him to do. 
and don't feel bad about it. We support the manager in that. I certainly support the manager in dropping players and playing the teams that win your football matches, whatever that team looks like. I'm not. It's, I don't care if it's not the shirt sellers. Who cares? They have. They have to win. They have to win tonight. And they have to. They have to win tonight against Copenhagen, and they could really do with winning in the derby at the weekend. But yeah. we'll see. We'll be back on Friday because uh, that is it for us today. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, like the video, hit the notification bell. This has been a, like a, we've been going around in circles for like 30 minutes. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but let us know. Tell us what you think. Tell us everyone. what you think, because I feel like they they have to, they just have to win games really. And Ten Hag knows that. I think he knows that better than anyone. Yeah. And he's doing what he can at the moment. For me, I think no manager can end up succeeding here. And you probably agree with this until the club sort themselves out. And what we're seeing on the pitch is a result of that. And every manager that's come before Ten Hag has fallen into this trap. Hmm. November's the month. How many times can we do this guys? November's the month that that, that clubs like to sack managers. November. We're not far off November. So he has to make sure that they're at least winning games, Scott. And the best way to win games is to play well. So that's the formula, really. And it doesn't matter how many players you got injured. That's a good. That's a nice get out of get out of card free jail. jail well, well, I'm saying monopoly wise, jail free. You know, jail free card. Um, he could. He he's got that in his pocket. But I do think that that fans are valid when they're saying, "Why do we not see more style and substance?" Because I think that's the bare minimum that we expect on a, on a weekly basis. Yes, indeed. Uh... I agree as well. I, I see the frustration. And I support Ten Hag. And I really do. Don't sack him, please. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let we'll wrap it there. Uh, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on IG, X and TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU as well on X. And that's it, everyone. Subscribe to the channel, leave a comment for us, and we'll see you soon. Be back on Friday to preview the Manchester Derby. And maybe we'll be talking about Man United being out of the Champions League. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed for tonight. Fingers crossed. See you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Leave a comment as well. Get in touch with us. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.